Him is his nephew, Lot, right? So this is this guy that's with him, and he's part of his family, he's part of his ancestry, and he took him with him as part of the people that went to this next land, all right? And both him and Lot, they had a lot of things. They had a, yeah, a lot of things. Lot had a lot of things. I just, that just clicked in my head. Um, they both had a lot of things. God had given them a lot of animals, a lot of livestock. There was a lot, they had a lot that was with them. And so when they were out in this new land, when they were out in this new place, they kind of found there's not enough room for everybody. Like, we don't know what to do. And so when they were kind of fighting for room and trying to make room for everybody and everything, Lot and his people, they were kind of like, not super great. There's a verse that says that, the, that everybody would kind of get a little bit frustrated with Lot, Lot and they weren't like super into what he was doing. So Abram, in his way to compromise, was like, all right, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to split. You take your people east or west or wherever you go, and whichever one you choose, I will choose the other one. And so Lot's like, all right. So he took him, himself and his people and his things, and he went and lived near a place called Sodom. And this place was not great. It was uh, not a great place. It wasn't, it wasn't super uh, well-liked, and it wasn't super well-lived, and it definitely wasn't following God. But that's where Lot chose to put his, his people, near Sodom. So Abram took his people to the next place. And so now, what we're kind of seeing is we're getting to this next chapter, is there's a lot of story that I want to get to you guys. So I'm going to try to go through the story pretty quick so that we can get to the meat of what we're at. And in chapter 14, we start to see a fight. We start to see a battle that happens with all of these different people groups, all these different nations in this one area. All right, And so at the beginning, it kind of lists all of these kings and all these different people. And then we're going to go ahead and jump right here into verse 8. It says, Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, went out and they joined battle in the valley of Siddim with Cheddar Lomer. How about that name, all right? We'll just call him Ched from now on. King of Elam, title king of Goim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. There is so much there, I wish I could get into it, but at one, I know you guys wouldn't care, and two, we don't have the time for it. So what I want to tell you right now is that there's just a big fight. There's a big battle that's happening. There's a big, uh, people are kind of joining. And what's happening is there's a rebellion against Ched, the King Ched. I'm not going to say his name again, but King Ched. And they're all kind of rebelling against him. And Abram and Lot and their people are caught up in this. They're a part of this. They're seeing this happen. And so this whole battle is happening all around them and it's surrounding them. And they're the ones that get to see it happen. All right. So we're going to continue looking at verse, starting in verse nine here. It says, so the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went their way. Then one escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol and of Anur. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsmen Lot with his possessions and the women and the people." 
All right, so what's happening is during these attacks, Lot gets captured. He gets taken to the enemy. He gets brought to them, all right? And so he gets there, and he goes back to their land, and he's taken there. And so somebody actually escapes from being captured, and they go tell Abram, all right, look, Lot's been taken. And the thing that's interesting about this is we don't see Abram question anything. We don't see him fight. We don't see him, like, push back. He just goes to save his kinsmen. This is the person that people were kind of complaining about, that people didn't really want to be around. And yet he decides to go and save him because the promise that God had made to him was for Abram's people. Remember that. Remember that from last week is that God made a promise for Abram's people. Okay? All right, we're going to do this next one here. Starting in verse 17, after his return from the defeat of Ched and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. All right. We need to stop here. And I got really excited when Johnny gave me this passage because... Melchizedek is kind of an important person, okay? So to kind of tell you what's happening here, so Abram comes back with Lot and with all their possessions and stuff, and so the people, and the, they, they come back too, the people that are fighting, and they come there, and they're surrounded by these two, this king, and then this other guy just kind of comes out of nowhere. His name's Melchizedek. The thing about Melchizedek is we don't have a genealogy, we don't really know where he came from. We know what it says that what, what he's the, the king of, but it, that's all it says. We don't know where he came from. We don't know anything else really about him. We know that he's Melchizedek, and he kind of just came out of the valley, bringing some bread and some wine. And it's kind of a wild thing. So we have to ask, who is Melchizedek? Who is Melchizedek? Why is he a part of the story? Why did he kind of just climb out of the woodwork after Abram went and killed a bunch of people and defeated a bunch of enemies and then came back? Why did he do that? Well, the first thing we have to realize is that Melchizedek is a priest of the Most High God. That's important because priesthood is something that we see throughout the Bible. We see it at the beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve, we see it now with Melchizedek. We see it with Abram. And eventually there's going to be this priestly line that's going to live in the temple in this promised land and they're going to work there and they're going to ultimately be the ones that communicate with God. But Melchizedek isn't a part of that. He's his own unique priestly line. He's his own unique group. But he's a representative of God. He's somebody that can communicate for God, can communicate with God, and ultimately give out and communicate what needs to be said to God's people. And the fact that he is a high priest, or he's, he's kind of like the big deal, is important because he's more godly than Abram. He's more godly than Abram. And here's the kicker, is that Abram acknowledges that. At the end of that passage, I said that he gave him a tenth of what he had of those things because he is giving that not to Melchizedek, but to God. That he is giving this to this person that is representative of God. He's recognizing that this person is coming and giving this language and talking for God to say, 
I'm, God is blessing you. That you are blessed by God, by the most high God. So he is more godly than Abram. And that's a big deal because Abram, he was the one that communicated with God. He was called by God to go to this new place. Jews, like today, look at Abraham and think that he is a big deal because he is. He is the one that started Israel. Like He is for God's people. That, a couple verses ago, it said, it said um, Abram the Hebrew. That's the first time the word Hebrew is used in the Bible. Because it's that first time of showing this is what people recognize Abram for. So he's a big deal, but Abram is recognizing that he is more godly. Next thing I want you to see is that he is a forever priest. You can put air quotes around that, forever priest. Hebrews 7 which is in the New Testament, and this is one of those connections I've been telling you about, talks a lot about Melchizedek. Melchizedek is important because he is a priest that is considered forever. He is one of those priests that is in a line that is something that is better than what the law, which we'll talk about that in weeks to come, what the law has for people. And that's like a list of guidelines. These are the things you have to do if you want to follow God. But Melchizedek, he represents a priest, a priesthood, and he represents God in a way that shows that God's covenant, God's promises are for something that is forever. And that's because Melchizedek is a priest before Jesus. In that Hebrews 7 passage, it talks about the fact that Jesus is going to be a priest in the Melchizedekian priest line, all right? That he is one that is a forever priest. He is a better priest. He is somebody that is better. And he is ultimately the ultimate and the amazing communication with God. There's some people that want to go as far to say that Melchizedek might be Jesus before he came to earth. I don't know if I can go that far. But there's some people that would say that. Uh, because Melchizedek is so important, because his priest line is so important. Melchizedek is a big deal because he came to represent God and to bless Abram. To show Abram that God was with him, that God was the one that was watching over him, that God is the one that gave him that power, that, that ability to get past and to defeat those kings. But let's look at the next part of the passage. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Anur, Eskol, and Mamre take their share. So after this battle, Abraham basically had a bunch of stuff. Like he had spoils of war. He had all of these different things. He had money. He had riches. He had, uh, he had food. And he, what he could have done was taken all these things and say, I'm going to have power. I'm going to show people who the true God is. But he didn't. He gave that stuff back. And he said, I'm going to go and just take the things, the people that I was called to protect the people that are my people. God didn't say to make me rich. God said, watch over your people and, I will, and bless, I will bless your people. I will give you land. I will give you people beyond count. 
that's like if you, that's like if I was offered like an opportunity, like, so I, I was like praying like, man, like God, I want to go and I want to teach uh, somewhere. I want to bless another church. I want to bless their ministry somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, like, they're like, oh, somebody reaches out and they're like, hey, you can come and teach at our camp. And it's like, sweet. And they're like, hey, also like there's some money that's on top of that kind of thing. And that would be like me saying like, no, I prayed and I said that I want to teach at a camp. I don't need to take the money, that that blessing is enough. That's like if you said, I'm going to text my buddy and say, hey, I want to go to Starbucks with you and because I feel like I need to tell you about Jesus. And so you go to Starbucks and you go and you sit down and you tell them about Jesus and that person leaves and somebody nearby says, hey, like, I heard you tell them that story. I heard you tell them about the gospel. I want to buy you some Starbucks. And it's like you saying, no. I don't need the Starbucks because the opportunity, that blessing was enough. Now, I'm not telling you, go, don't take the Starbucks. Take the Starbucks. That's okay. But what I'm saying is, imagine if the blessing was enough. Imagine if you were so satisfied and so trusting, so hopeful in what God has for you that you didn't need anything else outside of the blessings he provides for you. That you didn't desire anything else. You didn't desire reward. You didn't desire anybody to come and see you at Starbucks in public telling your friend about Jesus. But that it was just simply enough to tell them. And it's important for us to recognize blessings. It's important for us to recognize blessings because we are given blessings. We are blessed we are given blessings. And this can be things like, um, this can be things like uh, maybe you, you're trying to go to, to college somewhere and maybe you don't have the money and, that, and all of a sudden there comes a means that God provides. Or maybe this looks like something like, hey, like my car's broken down, like I can't get to school today, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or I can't get to work and all of a sudden a buddy passes by and they're like, hey, do you need to ride somewhere? It's like, yeah. Or maybe it's a blessing and opportunity. Like, here's an opportunity. Here's a chance for me to go share the gospel with my friend. Here's a chance for me to go on a retreat, like fall retreat, and to worship God. Here's a chance for me to openly show that I love Jesus more than I love anything else. Those are blessings too. And so what I want to do for like three minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to put something up on the screen. And uh, what I want to do, and I don't say this usually from up here, but I want you to take your phones out. And you're going to scan a QR code that's going to be up on the screen, okay? And when you scan that code, it's going to give you the opportunity to write something in. And you could do, write in as many as you want. And on the screen, what we're going to see is different ways that God has blessed you. And these are all going to be anonymous. Like, we can't see who's putting these in. We can't see your name. But I want you to share up there what's a way that God has blessed you. Maybe with something like money. Maybe with something else. Maybe it's with an opportunity, and I want us to just kind of show and just show all the different ways that God has blessed us, all right? So scan that QR code. Uh, Andrew, could you put on some like reflection music in the bathroom, background? And then, um, <laughs> bathroom, do that too. Uh, and when, I'm gonna give you guys like three minutes. And then in about three minutes, I wanna come up here, back up here, and I want us to look at all of the different things that you guys have written in, all right? So, a few minutes. Take a look at all of those up there. God has blessed us abundantly. Abram saw that God was the one that delivered him and delivered Lot out of the hands of enemies. 
And he saw that as a blessing because God said, this is my blessing to you. This is my blessing to watch over your people. Look at these different ways in which you've been blessed. People around you have been blessed. God is working in your life. God is giving you opportunity. God is there for you. And he's given you that opportunity at life. He's given you that opportunity at seeing in the ways that he's blessed you. But there's one more, there's one more thing I want you to see. We're given blessings, but we're given a blessing. We're given a blessing, and that blessing is Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate blessing. He is the perfect blessing. Jesus is enough for anything. That there could be different trials. There could be something that you face in your life that's particularly difficult. Then God can bless you through those. He could show you that there is life in him. But ultimately, the one, the perfect blessing is Jesus Christ. And at that time, Abram, he didn't see it yet. Melchizedek was there representing, but Jesus was still to come thousands of years later. But we see Jesus now, and he is the perfect blessing. We are giving a blessing. There's one more thing, is that we should praise God because of those blessings. We should give back to God. Abram, he, he gave to Melchizedek. He gave 10% of what he had. Later, 10% would be like the standard to give to the, to the temple, to give to God. Today, giving is still an important thing. Giving financially, I do it all the time. I do it every month. I'm sure many of your leaders do it. This building couldn't exist without the support of the body. This, uh, our jobs couldn't exist without that support. Because of the faithfulness of the church and the way that God has blessed us, that is one way to give back. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's through worship. Maybe it's when we go into worship after table discussions that instead of just standing there and looking at the stage, you truly actually just raise your hands and sing loud and give him praise and give him glory for who he is. Maybe it's something looking like finding a way to serve, coming on a Sunday morning, serving with Kid Zone, serving with first impressions at the door. See, the thing is, we could think that we have it all. We could think that, it's so, that there's, it's so easy for us. We could think that like, oh, I just want more. I just need more. I just want somebody to see me serving. I just want somebody to see me going out of my way to do something good. When in reality, what we should be doing is putting ourselves aside and blessing God and praising God because he is the one that has given us the ultimate blessing. And that is vitally important. Show God that he's worthy. Give back to him. Give to him. Give him praise. Give him everything that you have because he is worth it. He has given you everything you could need. So why not just try to give a little bit back to him? I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna go into uh, some table discussions, all right? Lord, I thank you for everybody that's sitting in this room. I thank you for the, the opportunity that we get to read from your word that we could see how Abram was a pivotal part of your plan. And that ultimately, because of what you've done, because of your son and his sacrifice on the cross, we get to see that ultimate blessing and what comes with that. 
And Lord, let us never forget it and help us to glorify you through remembering that. In your name I pray, amen. All right, jump into some table discussions.